WDBM East Lansing. You think the Pistons are playoff bound? This MSU team deserves to be in a BCS bowl. On tonight's show, the Wings look like they had the series in the bag until Saturday night. Plus, can they finish off the Hawks? Welcome. It's Happy Memorial Day. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. Yes, yes, yes. It's Happy Memorial Day, a very important day in American history. And there are a lot of people who are celebrating it in a specific way. And, you know, who else could be a better celebration than Titus Young, Chad Johnson together, both in trouble again. So we'll get to that as we kick off the show and then the first five minutes. But let me first welcome you to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. I'm Alex Sharg, your host every Monday, same time, same place from 7 to 8 p.m. To my left, we have Max King once again, assistant sports director for Impact 89 FM. Uh, and and actually next week we'll, we will have a sports panel from, then, from there on out. And Max, uh, tell me about, first of all, how's your Memorial Day going? It was good. Spent the weekend up uh, north at Houghton Lake. How was yours? Uh, you know, I actually, I actually uh, had a little bit of a you know, barbecue esque kind of celebration, that but works but too. not not too much, not that too much. Too. Didn't go into lake, but um, I mean, let's let's talk about Impact Sports for a second. Next week, the panel it should be great. A lot of arguing back and forth. Uh, you looking forward to this? What are you look? What are you most looking forward to? I am. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the different perspectives. Um, not that you and I don't have great. Right, uh, perspectives, right. but it's always nice to get fresh faces in here, and it'll be a nice discussion. And another perspective we have is from you. Yes, you, the listener, the callers, 517-432-3893 is the number. Again, 517-432-3893. You can also tweet at us at 89FM Trap. Any thoughts, concerns, anything that we're talking about during the show, we would love to hear from you. Uh, alongside with what we do here during the show, we always have a special question every week and in future weeks as we get this Impact Sports program together. <clears throat> you will have the opportunity to win some prizes, whether it's a gift certificate from Peter Pitt, uh, a gift certificate to Kosi, or even Nebo. We have all different kinds of, uh, of gift certificates here on the, on the Spartan Sports Rep, so keep staying tuned each week. But as we're going to kick it off today, we'd like to know what you're doing on Memorial Day. How do you tie in Memorial Day in sports? Is it watching the Detroit Tigers play the Pittsburgh Pirates? Is it going down to Hockey Town tonight and watch the Wings at the Joe? Or is it simple as watching the NBA playoffs at home? What are you doing on your Memorial Day? Sports, not involved with sports, anything at all. We'd love to hear it from you. So again, 517-432-3893. Again, Alex Shark, Max King, same time, same place each week. And uh, we got to kick off this week with our Chad True Zero segment because... Surprisingly, he's been uh, quiet since his big arrest last week. He had a warrant out for his arrest, if you have not heard. Issued May 7th, reported May 16th, and then it took him a little bit to get back into uh, the court. Uh, that that was down in Broward County uh, in Florida. Fort Lauderdale, that is. But during the warrant, the funny thing about it, Max, was this guy tweeted a picture of him in San Diego enjoying the beautiful weather, so... For him, it, it wasn't a big deal. Five days, four days, he had worn out. It didn't matter to him. He, he liked to enjoy what he was doing and and just lived it up. So that's new with Chad Johnson uh, uh, from, from last week. And then this week, there really isn't too much new, except the fact that if you remember his past, and if you remember that he has a domestic abuse case against him from Evelyn Lozada, 
Turns out that Evan Lozada has quickly moved on from Chad Johnson and is now reportedly from NESN dating Carl Crawford. So there's something about guys uh, uh, in Boston that Evan Lozada just cannot get away from. Uh, so, yes, uh, from from Boston guys to athletes, I mean, this this girl does it all. Um, but, I mean, let's look. I mean, you have Chad Johnson, Carl Crawford. I mean, two great athletes. I mean, she must be doing something right here. If you're Carl, if my advice to Carl Crawford would be to run far, far away from all this mess. Go out to <laughs> go out to deeper waters, Carl. There's, it's not worth the trouble. One thing I'd also like to hear about is if you're listening, is Carl Crawford going to be the middleman here? Max King said it himself. Carl Crawford, you need to get out of there, man. Do it. But I'm not so sure if it's that bad of a thing. Because she is a beautiful woman. So so don't get me wrong on that, Max. But we'd love to hear from you. 517-432-3893. You can tweet at us at 89FM Sports at what is your opinion on the basically uh the 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 new entrance of Carl Crawford into the Evelyn Lazada life? Uh so alongside with all of that, our Goon of the Week last week was, of course, Titus Young. But there's some interesting news surrounding Titus Young because he now was arrested. Uh, well, if you missed last week's show, uh, Titus Young, he, basically he was arrested for home invasion. That was his third count. Uh, he, he right now has about uh, 12 counts total. Uh, but he actually now has three new counts, which brought his total up to 12. Uh, and his bail was raised from 25 to 50,000. So a pretty big jump from Titus Young considering that yes, he was arrested 3 times in one week and the bail was only 25 to begin with. Yeah, it's no doubt he's troubled and I think it's still odd because we don't know know exactly what's wrong with him because his dad came out last week and said he did have a mental some sort of mental disability or mental disease and he's always been this this way yet he his dad couldn't remember the name of the specific disorder so it just seems like if if he's always been this way you would know you know what the name of it was so we still don't really know exactly what's wrong with him but um no doubt Three more charges is not helping his case at all. Absolutely. Now, what those charges are, you might be asking. Well, let me tell you. The three new counts uh, were actually mentioned yesterday uh, at a pretrial hearing in Orange County. And the three new accounts attempted residential burglary. So besides home invasion, burglary. He was going after something, which is funny because if you remember last week, Max, the question of the week was what was Titus Young stealing out of that house? So... I cannot wait for these details to emerge what Titus Young was going after. So, residential burglary was one. A felony uh, and misdemeanor counts of obstruction and vandalism. So, obstruction and vandalism are the other two. Uh, I wonder really what he was vandalizing because it really wasn't reported. Uh, but again, just some sad news coming out from Chad Johnson. Uh, and like uh, Stephen Tolk said last week, he is dealing with it. So, uh, basically... Uh, if we do hear from uh, Tidy Song again this week, hopefully it will be in slightly better regards. Uh, so alongside with the whole Titus Young saga, uh, let me give you a quick rundown of what to expect on today's show. At 7.08 right now, MSU Sports Roundup. We did it last week. A lot to cover this week. Uh, MSU football, uh, of course, with the new renovations and the Big Ten coaches pay last week. Uh, this week, we get into 
the art of high school football recruiting. We'll give you a quick update on some um, interesting news recruiting-wise from Michigan State and an interesting situation from the University of Michigan and why it has anything to do with Michigan State football recruiting. Uh, Michigan State baseball, end of the season honors. We'll get to that and who won what awards. Track and field, women's golf, and a whole lot more. Then at 725, we'll get into, of course, the Detroit Tigers uh, as they did... uh, Defeat the Pittsburgh Pirates today. A lot to take out of that game. Justin Verlander back on the mound. We'll get into the worrisome troubles, quote-unquote, of Justin Verlander. And we'll also get into a little bit about Torrey Hunter and some of the good things that he is doing. 7.32, we'll get into the Tiger Woods controversy with Sergio Garcia. A little bit of flair racism between the two. We'll get to who said what, why it was declared racist, and we'll get your thoughts too. 7.37, Heat and Pacers. Hibbert, of course, last Monday sitting on the bench when LeBron took it to the hole. Whose fault was it? Do you blame Frank Vogel? Uh, Then Grizzlies and Spurs will talk about the series if the Spurs can finish it off and if they have any shot at beating the Heat or Pacers in the final. 7.42, Detroit Pistons have some interesting news around Greg Monroe and Andre Drummond. We'll get to that and what that is and why. 7.47, the Detroit Red Wings, and we'll get we'll give you score updates throughout the night, Max. Uh, if you, if you want to load a little bit of the game cast going on as we get closer to the hour, uh, but Wings and Blackhawks tonight, uh, we'll get to if they can close it out. If this is actually a winner go home, because I've heard some people say, Max, that if they don't win tonight, they have no shot at winning Game Seven. Well, I mean, you definitely. I I, I don't think. It was surprising to see that they lost to Chicago. I think it was a little surprising to see how poorly they played at Chicago. Um, but I think that tonight is is pretty much a Game 7 if you're Detroit because you do not want to take an actual Game 7 and to Chicago. So if you're Detroit tonight, you might as well just treat it like this is the last game of the season uh, in the Game 7 because certainly, even though we've seen them win a Game 7 last series, um, it's a different team. It's a better team, and they have not played incredibly well um, when uh, in the last game. So you hope that they come up uh, tonight and they play well. And we've seen them do that, though. The two losses that they've had to Chicago, both four to one losses, both pretty bad losses. They've come back the next game and played very well. So hopefully the the streak keeps coming. That's right. And then at seven fifty two, we'll get to Detroit Lions and Nadamik and Suits quest to be a leader. 7.55, we have our Goon of the Week, and man, this is a pretty goofy goon, and it comes from the MLB. So that's the rundown of today's show, and while we uh, get and, and progress later in the show, we'll start off with MSU basketball. Unfortunate news, if you're hoping for Tom Izzo to coach that Olympic team, because Coach K is officially returning, so that nips that in the bud. Uh, but of course, Tom Izzo, I'm sure at some point, he will get that nod, will get that call. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong, though, with Coach K. Yeah, um, I think that he was, it was kind of expected for him to come back. He's been doing, I mean, he's done a phenomenal job with them, so there's no reason for him not to come back. Uh, as long as Tom Izzo sticks around, though, he'll get his chance because Coach K is a little bit older than, than Izzo, so it will be fun to see if Izzo does get a chance to coach the Olympic team, how um, he, kind of comparing how he coaches college players to professional players because we really haven't seen him do any of that before. Um, and I guess it'll, it'll be a good stepping stone for him and to add to his illustrious career. But I don't think it was really a surprise to see Coach K come back and 
Um, it'll probably be a little while before Izzo obviously has to um, the opportunity to. But like I said, as long as Izzo sticks around, he'll have that opportunity. I can't imagine a whole lot of other people would be in front of him for that job. Right. And, and if someone does get in front of Izzo for that job, I mean, who would it be? I I can't even maybe even think of anything. Um, uh, maybe maybe a Rick Pitino. Maybe a Rick Pitino. Um, and it just all depends who's around though, because you know obviously he's booked his uh, Coach K has booked his slot for for Rio, and so it, you know is Rick Pitino gonna, even going to be around them? Because Rick Pitino is also getting up there, so um, you know it's it's just it all depends on who's going to be there. But like I said, if if you know, Pitino or an Izzo's there, they have to be up for the job. Right, and, and if they are there and up for that job, I mean, let's even take predictions right now. How many years do you think Coach K has left in the team? Because we we never thought that he would actually be coaching this year. He came out weeks ago and said that he's not going to be coaching the Olympic team. Yeah, he he said that, and when he said that, I just wasn't sure if I was going to buy it or not, just because he's done been so successful. And you know, I think he I I thought he was going to do what he did and come back and do one more, um, but he. He's getting up there. I don't know. I think maybe I can't see him coaching much longer after he coaches the Olympics just because, um, you know, he's he is in his mid-60s. And we saw something with J- Jim Calhoun. You know, he, he started having health problems. And certainly we've seen that with other coaches as well, even younger than that, because coaching does take a lot a toll on your body uh, mentally and physically. So um, he's withstood the test of time, that's for sure. Um, but you got to think he's kind of getting to the end of his career. Yeah. And if he does get to the end of his career... I mean, let's just talk about the effect of the Olympics in that career. Because this is a Coach K that, of course, if you look at gold medals, it's been very difficult for this U.S. Olympic basketball team. Yeah, they you know they struggled a few years ago when they were really supposed to come out and dominate. They had the, the Redeem team come in, in in 2008, and then in 2012, they obviously came out and just wiped the floor with everybody. So it's but it's it's a hard transition because you're so used to coaching college players and then you have to come and coach not only professional players but the highest profile of the professional players right. and that's a big difference. Yeah, and then can Tom Izzo even do that? Because we saw the rumors of him going to Cleveland never happen. But Tom Izzo has never had that professional experience. Which is why it would be it's going to be interesting if he ever does do it to see what he can do because it's a completely different um, atmosphere coaching a professional game as a, to a college game and you have to do things differently that you know some guys don't respond at the professional level as they do in the college level because they've already been through that so it'll be an adjustment for him but I'm sure he'll be welcome to take on the challenge sure to be take on the challenge but do you think he'll be able to handle it 517-432-3893 we've got Randy behind the glass screening your calls queuing everything up uh, but alongside with the whole time Izzo thing there's some interesting news that comes from high school recruiting as we are on the college topic. And it has to do with Michigan State football and Michigan football. So if you remember last week, we talked about the new football renovations to the stadium. How that could come out of your tax money that you pay each year for tuition. We discussed a little bit about Big Ten coaches playing. If you missed that last week, you should find it very interesting to hear that Coach Terry Samuel is making two hundred grand a year. And it's not just that, but D'Antonio, even even Greg Madison in Michigan, all of the Big Ten coaches are significantly getting pay raises by the year. And it's a trend that is a little alarming. And you might think that, listen, these guys are just secondary backs coaches and receivers coaches, and they're making more than some MDs. 
some doctors. Yeah, and as soon as those reports came out about how much they were making, I was hearing those people who are for-paying college athletes just screaming because you can easily make the case if these guys are being paid so much money and they're not even really at a high-profile coach, they're you know just secondary coaches, position coaches, things of that nature. You can hear those guys who are pro, you know, for paying um, college football players or college athletes in general saying, why can't we put those monies for all these raises they're getting into giving these to the athletes who really are the ones that create all the hype. They create all, a lot of that revenue and, you know, they go out there on the field. So um, as soon as I heard that report come out, I knew people would start to complain about that. But, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, right, right. No, that, that makes perfect, perfect sense. And along with that report, there, if, if you remember last week, Jay Harris – Michigan State football recruit was unfortunately let go of his scholarship because of a vulgar rap video of him smoking marijuana, using vulgar words, not about that sober life, as I remember one of the lyrics. And there's a new video this week, and this is what it has to do with football recruiting. Uh, there's a new video this week that is another college football rapper, and th- this is a very common trend. I mean, we've seen rappers. I mean, we saw Rasheed Wallace rap when he was a Piston. You see athletes rap before, run our tests, but it's becoming an cr- increasing t- trend al- along college students. That may be, c- be because they have a big outreach. You know, they know a lot of people, very well networked, a lot of attention on them. Maybe they feel that they can get their music out easily. We'll get into why that is, but first let me tell you who that rapper is from uh, the recently committed... Michigan Wolverine cornerback, and this is actually a video of his announcement on ESPNU. Uh, look, I'll tell you like this. Um, you see, it started as a dream. My dad planted the seed, though when I started to sprout, he couldn't be there to see. Still, I remain focused and transcended the rest solidified through my journey. How can you not be impressed? And yes, to those who wait, the Lord brings blessings. I had this dream since I was seven. Now I'm dream telling. I can see you now. The fans screaming, yelling as I'm walking out that tunnel in a winged helmet. So that is exactly how Jabril Peppers, the number two rated player in the whole nation, selected the University of Michigan Wolverines. So... You get a little bit of sense of what his rap is like. It's very different from Jay Harris. Very, very, very different. But let me play you a little bit of Jay Real is what he's known as. Let, let me play you a little bit of Jay Real's music video uh, of the song New Era Don't Take It Personal. Uh, I was always told, man. What don't kill you, only make you stronger. Uh, it ain't no secret through the struggle, only strong survive Well I overdose, put me in overtime It's survival of the fittest, no kidding Only put in positions where failures the lone provision I get it, but still I still stuck by me Been up, been down, some sighted to up and leave I know, when pain hunting and I'm hard time sick so, so that's a little bit of the uh, J-Real rapping uh, that, that he really is going after and this brings me to my next point. Now, we can go at this in two ways. We'll, we'll, we'll attack this at, at two, in two different items. One, what is your opinion, Max, and listeners, 517-432-3893, what is your opinion of high school football players not only announcing where they're going to school, but what is your opinion on the creativity of announcements? Is it a little bit too far? 
Is it too much? Should he just simply say, I'm going to attend the University of Michigan? Well, it's hard to, I don't know, if, it, if it's for me looking at it personally, if I'm in their shoes, I would obviously never do anything close to that. Just because I, it's just that, that's not the type of person that I am. I would just simply state that I'm going to whichever school. You know, I guess those guys got to be careful, though, because if they're into that, you know, if they're into maybe having a rap career in the future, they have to be careful because if you look at successful rappers, they're not, you know, their images and what they say are not necessarily school appropriate. So I think they have to be careful with that, even if, you know, this is obviously this guy may be a step up from Jay Harris of last week. But still, I think you have to be careful with that, because even if you want to pursue that, you know, those, you know, the NCAA is a very, very fine tuned machine and they really nitpick. And so I think you have to be careful on what you say and what you do outside of your school and whatever athletic that you're in, because if you do something wrong, like we saw with Jay Harris, you're going to get cracked down on and you could lose a scholarship or something like that. Okay, so, I so, think you have so, to be as, careful. so as long as you're careful and you don't see anything inappropriate, it's perfectly fine? If that's what they like to do. Okay, so in Jabril Pepper's case, there is a cuss word here and there in the video. We did not play that, but how do you compare his to Jay Harris? Well, cuss words, I think, are not really a big deal in this case because, I mean, if you go on a football field or in a game, you're going to hear probably way worse than what you hear in that, in that video. Um, I think in Jay Harris's case, what made it so bad was not only was he saying, and it wasn't the cuss words that got him fired, I mean, or excuse me, uh, granted, uh, got the scholarship removed. It was some other vulgar things that he was saying, and then obviously the alleged use of what appeared to be marijuana, him smoking, and, and drugs, and alcohol, and all the other things. Those those things are, are going to get you kicked out immediately. Um, unlike with Peppers, you know, a cuss word here and there, that's fine. You know, you're going to hear that, you know, in the practice field, and game days, you know, in the huddle, and all that sort of thing, so... Um, I think that was probably the major difference between those two guys. And alongside with the big difference, sure, it's a little more appropriate, but do you think maybe it's too much for the announcements in general? What's your opinion, not only on the rapping, but just announcements of where you're going to college? It's too much, in my opinion. I just I just don't understand what the benefit of that is exactly. Um, I think at this point, it's probably just kind of a look at me, look at me type of scenario. Um, but... So, yeah, I, I think it's just too much. I don't understand what's so bad about just saying I'm going to X school, and I'm going to Y you. school. And, here, and here's what I'll tell you. If you just simply say, I'm going to Michigan, I'm going to Michigan State. For me, the, the reason why they just don't do that is because they need to make high school football a little more exciting. They need that, that television coverage from ESPNU. They need that television coverage and entertainment and advertising that, you know, when they, when they slowly get to see certain personalities in college and the NFL, they get a better picture on how to generate all the moolah. So, for me, in that aspect, that's how I see it, Max. Yeah, and, that, and that's what I was kind of saying with the look at me, look at me thing. You know, you want to bring that, these guys want that attention as early as possible. But personally, if it's, it's for me, you just, I think if you're going to be in that kind of, you're going to be in that public profile, do a, just be it on the field and then have your private time off the field. Just get in, do your business, get out. Um, obviously, you know, Jabril Preppers and Jay Harris don't believe that way. And that's fine because, you know, not everyone's going to be that way. But um, yeah, I certainly think that they want that attention early on, and they might find out later that, that the attention's really not as all it's hyped up to be. Right. Uh, Got to move on now because time's a little bit short. Uh, I just want to hear your take because I thought that maybe the Jabril Peppers video was a little more appropriate, but I thought that the beat itself from Jay Harris 
was well. Here's the thing: you compare the two beats, Jabril Peppers, with a little bit of, uh, you know, yeah, a little '90s feel to it, a little bit of jazz behind it, and then you compare it to Jay Harris. Jay Harris more has more of a bass and more of a mainstream sound. I think in terms of an audience, you're going to get more from Jay Harris. Probably, um, but I mean, I guess at this point, in my opinion, anything was a step up from Jay Harris's. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it really, I don't think, if you could, do, I don't know how it'd be possible to do any worse than that. Was the Jay Harris video that bad? Was anything better than Jay Harris, as Max King says? 517-432-3893. If you're an Impact Sports member listening, we'd love to hear you. Or if you are listening as a non-Impact Sports member, feel free to give us a call. Uh, send us a tweet as well. We are on Twitter at 89FM Sports Rap. Uh, but alongside with the Peppers Harris ordeal with recruiting, there's an uh, there's another Michigan State recruit who will not be returning to Michigan State this upcoming fall. If you remember the name Jawan Caesar, who was uh, basically atop the last recruiting class uh, in 2011, he actually missed the 2011 season due to a foot injury, and he has asked for release, and it was granted. He also redshirted medically because of that foot injury. Uh, big target, 6'4", a lot of physical tools, was maybe going to be similar to that Charles Rogers downfield threat that we used to have, so, similar, uh, just an inch taller than, than Tony Lippett. But, I mean, this is a guy that, um, you know, had a, lot of, had a lot of potential. Now, can he play anywhere else, Max, first of all? Second, with the departure of Deion Sims, how big of a loss is this? Well, he can play elsewhere. I mean, I think it's it's pretty difficult um, not to land at some sort of spot. We don't know exactly where he's looking for. If he wants to go um, into another D1 school, I'm sure he would like to. Or if he wants to go to a little bit smaller school where he can get immediate playing time. We don't know yet. That hasn't come out um, as of recently. But I think I mean, it's going to hurt. I mean, they, they have a lot of depth at wide receiver. You know, as far as tight ends go, you know, is he could be he could be a big loss. You know, with Deion Sims not being there, we just don't really know because we haven't really seen him play. If he's gonna be, if he would be a big loss, we certainly know he has a good frame for um, what MSU was looking at. But you know, he was plagued by a foot injury early on, and then he redshirted, and then you know the the high depth chart, you know, lots of depth in that receiving and tight end core definitely limited his playing time so it's hard to say if you'd be a huge loss just because we haven't really seen him play a lot but you know you obviously you hate to see a guy who was a pretty big recruit coming out of high school right. leave your program and another thing is that's why if you look at other programs in the big 10 we have those walk-ons competing we'll take a wide receiver maybe not heavily recruited we've had him in the past no need to name him but it's very possible that your next number two wide receiver could be a walk-on michigan state freshman or even sophomore. So we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. But another thing that plays out is the suspension of Notre Dame quarterback Everett Golson. Breaking news out of yesterday. Uh, one, how does this help MSC? Because this guy tore us apart last year. Well, it helps obviously. You know, not having one of their, you know, the, one of their best players who led them to a national championship game last year. Um, it's going to help MSU when they play Notre Dame this year because um, he, yeah, they, he, it was a hard time stopping him. Not only with his passing, but his running was also um, a, a tough factor to stop. And you know, we've seen Notre Dame in past years. We've been able to get them when they haven't had that established quarterback. You know, when they've had you know a Tommy Reese versus you know maybe the number two guy or number three guy, they've struggled a little bit. So. Um, you know, not that they don't have a lot of depth in that position, a lot of talent, but 
you know, that's their go-to guy. I mean, he led them to a national championship game last year, and all right. of a sudden he's gone. So that's going to be a tough loss for them. Yeah, and alongside with the national championship loss, I mean, let's just talk about recruiting. Because as we see Michigan State competing with programs left and right, Notre Dame, Michigan, you should know that Michigan State actually just offered a new Dallas duo for 2014-2015. They're also starting to offer a plethora of different high four-stars that are ranked on scouts and rivals. So they're trying to compete with the big boys now. You know, it was that hard of a Spartan program, as Jack Ebling once wrote, that, you know, it's slowly rising to be a national contender, but an off-shaker this year, maybe it's a little bit hard to garner that respect. What do you think of the strategy of, of D'Antonio, Max? Going after these guys, but maybe this ever Golson loss, some of, the, some of the other plagues that have happened with Michigan and Notre Dame, maybe that's what Mark D'Antonio sees. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State has always, whether they've been on the rise or not, they've always had trouble recruiting and competing with recruits with Michigan and Notre Dame. I mean, those are two really big football schools that are, are pretty close to Michigan State. So, you know, eventually you're going you're gonna to have to see who's going to come out on top as far as recruiting and obviously and what those recruits do once they get to school. Um, Mark D'Antonio's done a fantastic job of kind of getting um, those two- and three-star, maybe even a one-star player that's um, coming out of high school and turning them into pro prospects. We see that with Le'Veon Bell. He was he was not a big recruit coming out of high school. So we'll see what happens in the future and if that continues. We'll have to wait and see. But before we jump to a quick break, we'll do a quick baseball track and field and women's golf recap. End of the season honors a very disappointing season for Michigan State base, baseball. Almost slated to make that playoff spot. But Michigan State pl- Michigan State baseball had five players with, with with conference honors, and that was announced Tuesday morning by the Big Ten office. Jimmy Pickens was named second team All-Big Ten. Blaze Salter and Andrew Wozak were named to the All-Big Ten third team. Cam Gibson and Jordan Cure, uh, well, actually, just Cam Gibson named the All-Freshman team, but Jordan Cure was Michigan State's Sportsmanship Recipient Award. So some pretty good awards for Michigan State baseball players. As we said, Jimmy Pickens, Blaze Salter, both, both phenomenal baseball players, Max, probably will have some experience at the next level. Uh, now, going back now to track and field, NCAA Eastern Preliminary Championships were this weekend. Six Spartans advancing, that which makes it 12 total to the Eugene, Oregon Outdoor Championships on June 5th through June 8th. And we'll just have to wait and see what happens for the national championships if women's track and field can make a statement. Women's Golf Championships at Athens, Georgia, they finished ninth overall. That was better than their 12th place finish in 2001. Christine Mayer, one of their best golfers, ties for 6th place. That's the best individual finish in school history. So congrats to Christine Mayer on her finish at 6th place at the championships at Athens, Georgia. Caroline Power also winning a prestigious Dinah Shore Award. That's awarded to the to some great academic performance during the school year, along with her performance on the green. So congrats to Caroline Power, Christine Mayer, and the rest of the Big Ten baseball team who granted some um, some first-team, second-team, third-team freshman honors, and, of course, the Sportsmanship Award. So with that said, when we return from this break at 7.34, Detroit Tigers, Torrey Hunter, and some pitching performances then at 7.37, we'll get to the to the Tiger Woods, the Sergio Garcia racial controversy, NBA playoffs, Detroit Pistons, Red Wings, Lions, and a whole lot more. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89FM. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure. 
I'm out of here. Th thanks again, man. It was good. Wait, time. you were uh, you were hitting it pretty hard tonight. Are you, are you good to drive? Heck yeah! I am amazing at driving. Yeah, man. You sure? I mean, I can call a cab, or we fine. can uh, we can get somebody to take you home. Yeah, you know? yeah. Don't worry. I'm good. Okay. Uh, hey, text me when you get back. Okay. Stop right there. This is stupid. He's drunk. Friends don't let friends drink and drive. Ever. A message from 88.9 The Impact. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to The Impact Primetime, Prime where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights from 8 until 10 p.m., The Impact Flashback is your retro music alternative, playing your old favorites from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Only on Impact Primetime. In a world where radio was repetitive and mundane, in a time when FM is plagued by the same 15 songs, an army of new songs are called to battle, and only the strongest survive. Every Sunday night from 8 till 10, sit or spin, only on Impact 89 FM. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Impact Exposure Series. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. I'm Alex Sharg. Same time, same place. Mondays from 7 to 8 p.m. on 88.9. You can also stream us online. That's right. If you're not in your car, if you don't have your radio with you, can't turn the dial, go online, impact89fm.org. There's a listen live now. You can click it on the right corner of your screen. You can stream us anywhere. If you're in Miami, Florida, if you are in San Jose State University in California, we are a national listen station. That's right. That is where some of our listeners have listened to from uh, in the past. So uh, feel free to stream us anywhere, anytime, 24-7. Again, I'm Alex Sharg, along with Max King, our assistant co-host for this week. And we're getting right into the Detroit Tigers' performance today against the Pittsburgh Pirates because Justin Verlander, Took the mound once again after being very controversial with his last two outings. But the debate still lies. Sure, he gave up three runs. Fine performance. 15, uh, what, 13 strikeouts, I think? 15, 13. Fine performance. But I'm not so sure that he's back, Max. Well, I think he's I think he's fine. Um, he, I mean, 13 strikeouts in, and he gave up, I believe, those three earned runs through seven. So I don't see how much concern that would that would bring up i mean i just think that he <clears throat> he can't come out and you know he can't throw a one or two hitter every night which we all know and um i he hasn't really shown a sign of me of that he's regressing or anything so i think he's been fine right and of course last two outings before then when it comes to regressing you can't say that it was because they just simply hit him yeah, he had a he had a rough outing, and but so did those other. You know, he had a rough outing against Cleveland. We also saw some guys in the other rotation have rough outings. You saw Sanchez have a terrible outing when they were in Texas, but he True. came back and yeah, had a great outing. Yeah, then he came out. back with the one hitter. He had a great sure. outing. So, but then I look at something like the fact that sure, maybe he's not throwing a one or two hitter every night, Max. Sure, he he may not be, but what I see is the fact that yes, he controlled the game a little bit better today. It looked to see that he wasn't throwing 100 miles an hour in every pitch. He wasn't maybe trying to get the velocity that he was maybe lacking this year. But what still worries me is that I haven't seen a good performance in the last month or so. 
And it's funny that we that we talk about this because we have the privilege of seeing him pitch every fifth day. And unlike some people who may not, who don't, you know, have, you know, follow the Tigers or who just don't simply um, follow Justin Verlander all the time. And we, I think, I think eventually we kind of start to nitpick a little bit because we see him, you know, we, oh, he did get the win, but, you know, he wasn't as dominant as we've seen him in the past. So I think, I just think it's interesting because, um, you know, if you look at it from maybe an outsider's perspective, you know, everyone would, would kill to have, you know, above average numbers for Justin Verlander and then on their team. And as well as for us, you know, it's it's hard to sit here and say, well, you know, I don't think he's been doing great just because he did give up four runs and he usually doesn't give up that many in, you know, whatever amount of innings. So I still think he's fine. I think, um, you know, he... You know he's ha- he's just a special player, and when you see him down the road, and when you know get into July and August, September, I think that's when he'll really start to be dominant. And then of course he's always he's usually had a very good playoff career, so I think he's been fine so far. Okay, fair enough. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. Has he been fine, as Max King so politely says, or has he scared the nerves out of you, scaring the jitters out of you? Is it on every pitch? You think that he's going to give up another earned run. So, we'll have to wait and see what you guys think. But along with Verlander, how about the how about that performance of Annabelle? The one-hitter. That was great. And you know, we've seen him do that already this year. He's he's thrown a phenomenal you know game earlier in the season when he had uh, 19 strikeouts, which is a franchise record and um, you know, he I think he does need to get a little more consistency. Um, not that he's been terrible, but we did see him have you know those two great performances, and then all of a sudden he just was just terrible at Texas, which happens. Um, but I guess the one little thing I would like to see from him more is just a little more consistency. Um, not that he's been terrible, but I think eventually um, later in the season he's going to have to have that consistency. And then, of course, when he, if they get to the playoffs, we've seen him just completely turn into a whole other pitcher, and he's just dominant every single outing. So, you know, it's... That, that was a great pickup um, by Dave Dombrowski a few years ago, and it would have been last year, I suppose. And um, so I think he's been doing really well this year, and no doubt he, his last performance was very good. Now, call this a little bit early, but I like making predictions, and I'm going to say this. This Detroit Tigers starting five with Verlander, Sanchez, Scherzer, I hate to say Porcello, but he is in there, and Fister may be the best starting five rotation that the Tigers have ever had. Now, with Scherzer this year, sure, we saw him with strikeouts last year. It was great, you know, competing up there with Verlander. Who thought that Scherzer, I mean, when we made the trade initially, sure, we knew we were getting a pretty good prospect, but you never thought that years ago you would see Scherzer almost leading the league in strikeouts, would you? Absolutely not. Um, I think he's one another one of those Dombrowski steals because... When he was with Arizona, I mean, he was above average, and I think obviously that's um, was was something that Dombrowski looked at. But there's just something that that Detroit Tigers organization can see in a potential prospect or a potential trade that they just bring him up and they come to Detroit and they flourish. Um, I think you can even make the case with Anibal Sanchez and Doug Fister, obviously, um, because they didn't have great careers in their previous teams with Seattle and and the, the Florida Marlins or Miami Marlins now. But they were good enough to, you know, for Dombrowski and the rest of the organization to come back and say, well, I think that they can help us out if they work with our people. And I would, I would agree. Obviously, you can't, you can't make a for sure statement yet, just because there's a, you know, the, of the different eras in baseball. But I can't remember another time where they've had such a stacked lineup. And really, 
our a stack starting rotation, even you know reluctantly with Porcello, um, who I, who I think no doubt is their weakest component out of all of them. If he starts to build consistency, and of course people forget that he's still very very young, but um, I I would I would agree that they're definitely up there um, with some of the best yeah. they've ever no, seen. No, they're they're up there. But I'm going to say at the end of this year, everyone listening and Detroit Tiger fans will consider this starting five, regardless if Porcello's in again, if he switches out, but I think that this starting five will be the best we've ever had. Now, Sanchez, number when we extended him that deal, that was a little controversial. I'd throw that all away now. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think there is any point in arguing that because look what you got out of it. You got a phenomenal pitcher who's done things that only well, you know, 50, 60 pitchers have ever done under that. So... You sure get value in a guy like that. Uh, of course, we talked about the Ortega, Coke, Albuquerque relief issues last week. Uh, and, of course, we saw a couple runs given up today as well. But because we have so many things to get to, we're going to switch on to that. But before we move on from this Tiger segment, important to note that Tory Hunter has pledged to give $1,000 for every home run he hits to the Oklahoma City tragedy. And let's just talk about that for a second because, oh, my goodness, Max, I mean, we've seen athletes step up here and there, the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, and, you know, things like this and sports sometimes just make it all better. They put it in perspective, I think, because sports has always been a great relief for tragedies like this, and Torrey Hunter, you know, you hear all the time from from other um, people who talk about the Tigers, and there's just no, they say that there's just no better person in the game of baseball right now than Torrey Hunter, that, you know, the Angels, who he just uh, came from, miss him dearly, and then even the Minnesota Twins, who the Tigers had over the weekend, um, where Torrey Hunter really made a name for himself as a player, um, they still miss him dearly, and Torrey Hunter hasn't played in a Twins uniform in years. So um, lots of people spoke highly about him, and he's a good guy to have in your clubhouse. And um, it shows you that just because you get older in your career doesn't mean that you have to just kind of go under the woodwork and, and you know, not make headlines anymore. So Torrey Hunter, he's a phenomenal person, and it's nice to see him represent not only himself, the Tigers, but then also the, the people affected by uh, Oklahoma, the Oklahoma City tornadoes. Um, as well, so um, nice. It's 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 a nice story to see. Absolutely. Now switching from the Detroit Tigers, we're going to actually jump Max to the Detroit Pistons real quick. Just going to cap off this news because in about five minutes we're going to get into some to M- some NBA playoff heated debate about Roy Hibbert and the Indiana Pacers. So we'll get to that as soon as we just tell you about the news of Greg Monroe and Andre Drummond, who were actually reported by Vince Ellis from the Detroit Free Press were invited. To play in USA's basketball's mini camp in July, of course, with the 2014 World Cup in Madrid and then the Summer Olympics in Rio, a pretty big opportunity for these guys. Uh, but Monroe actually said this quote: "No disrespect to those guys, but looking at the select team roster, I felt like I should have been on there. That's just the confidence I have in myself." Now, of course, Monroe, 22, 16, and 9.6, some pretty good stats, but. I mean, thoughts about that comment? It's an interesting comment. Um, I wouldn't agree with it. Not to say that Craig Monroe, uh, Greg Monroe is Isn't not worthy, is right. worthy, but I I just don't know if I would see him as one of the top players in his position in the league right now. Um, but who knows? Maybe with this invitation to the the USA camp, maybe he can prove some people wrong. But I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't agree with that personally. Right. And then along with the Detroit Pistons news, some Lions news, Sue. Trying to emerge as a leader after the departure of Vandenbosch and Williams. 
will he do that? And that's the only Lions little tidbit we have this week. We'll get more on that next week because we just have a little bit more to get to within the next 15 minutes of the show. Uh, including your Detroit, uh, including the NBA playoffs and the Detroit Red Wings. But first, we've got to talk about this Tiger Woods Sergio Garcia beef because, according to Sergio Garcia, he wants to feed Tiger some fried chicken. Now we haven't seen him before. We we haven't seen any racism between Sergio before. But is this a, was it a racist comment or is he a racist? Um, I would, I would say the comment was definitely could be taken as racist. It's just, it was just, it, to me, it just seems so odd that he would say something like that because, you know, but, but, but here's the thing, Max, it may seem odd and out of character, but it really isn't due to the competitive nature of golf. And sometimes if you're playing basketball, you know, if you're playing a sport and, and you're listening, sometimes when you're down by two and you, and you make a turnover, you might just slip. It, it just happens. Yeah. Uh, you know. Sir, I think I think well. First of all, I think that people don't realize how competitive the golf is, just because it doesn't seem like you know it's kind of, it's not the fastest moving sport. But um, you know, I I was surprised that he said something like that, and I assumed that it was probably on you know it was under pressure and he was frustrated with his game. And you know, when you when you're frustrated, you say things obviously you don't mean sometimes. Um, but I I just don't think. I think Tiger's definitely on the rise again, obviously, as we can see. He's been playing really well. I think this comment is going to fuel him even more to, to excel. And, um, you know, if you're Sergio Gusti, you just, at that point, you have to keep your mouth shut. Okay, and I'm going to go on the other side that this is no way a racist comment, that he's a racist. And I'm saying that because how can you say a racist comment but not qualify yourself as racist? So that's the angle I'm going to go at as we move on to some talk about the NBA playoffs. Man, oh, man. It looked like Indiana was ready to compete. I mean, after two games in Miami, both of them, very, very close games. But the big story comes from sitting Hibbert on the bench when LeBron James took two to the hole easily and won the game. Now, do you do you fault Frank Vogel? Did it have to do with Hibbert getting too many fouls? And that's just something you can't avoid. But in my opinion, as someone who played basketball, I would take a jump shot, a jump shot from Chris Bosh than a layup from anyone. Any single day of the week. Yeah, and if it's me, and uh, first of all, I think it is a coaching error, and um, I don't, I don't think you can blame any of the players for not, uh, you know, I can't, I don't think you can blame Hilbert for not, Hilbert for not being there, just because, you know, it's not his call, you know, it's the coach's call. But to me, if you're gonna lose, anyone but LeBron James can beat you. Anyone but LeBron James, because you just know that he's gonna get it. And so, you know, <laughs> if I, if I'm a coach, you just have to think, yo, okay, I'll, I want to guard LeBron James. Don't let him get anything. If Chris Bosh beats me on a jumper, I think they can live with that, and that's just not what happened at all. And here's the other thing. Even though Chris Bosh, you didn't want to leave him vulnerable to a shot, it's the last play of the game. How open is he going to be? Even if Hibbert's not in the game, is he going to be that far open with an open shot if Hibbert isn't, if, 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 if Hibbert's guarding him? I mean, how big of a difference is it? Yeah, I think I just think Vogel at that point just completely overcoached. I think he was thinking of too many scenarios in, in that case. And the fact of the matter is, there's a few seconds left on the on the clock. They needed a shot to win, and I think you just have to. Yeah, I think if they're going to get a jump shot off, that's fine. Let them take a jump shot. That's a low percentage shot. And then letting LeBron James literally going up for a layup like he was in like he was in practice. So um, I think 
Frank Vogel just overcoached in that scenario, and he's learned from it. But he might uh, learn from it the hard way because it could that that could have been a huge game for them to, to take, and um, they obviously didn't come out on top there. So, um, you know, if if maybe he does that, if he reconsiders that thought, and if they win that game, all of a sudden it's a complete different series. They're they're winning two to one instead of down two to one. So right, um, you know, yeah, no sure. And here's the other thing, and this is the other part of this is Paul George completely overpursued LeBron. I mean, completely just gave him a layup. Open lane. Now, yes, you may have expected LeBron with the time left to take a shot, but he just looked confused out there. Like, he just looked like he was unbalanced, not ready for a game that's game one away, and you're the underdog against the favorite of the NBA playoffs. Now tell me about Paul George's stance on that, Max. If you're Paul George and you are guarding LeBron James, you have to think. I mean, it's not a secret. He's probably going to get the ball in that scenario. And yeah, you can't, you cannot over pursue him. You, if you're, if you're going to let him shoot a jump shot, let him shoot a jump shot. But you challenge it. The last thing you want to do is over pursue him, have him get in front of you, and do exactly what happened. I think that was probably a worst case scenario for the Pacers. So you have to be a little bit conservative and just let him. You know, if he's going to get the ball, that's fine. Just challenge the shot, and if he makes it, there's nothing really you can do about it. But there's definitely something that he could have done about what happened. Sure. And here's the other thing about the Heat: we saw LeBron with the game two loss. With five turnovers. Now it seems that every time LeBron turns the ball over at the end of the game, or about five, you're not going to win the basketball game. Now, was that the Pacers' only chance to come in this series and take a stance? Because as we saw from Game 3 this weekend, it basically was heat written all over it. The offense was on. You just couldn't stop that team. I think well, I think their success, the Miami Heat success definitely revolves around what LeBron James does, and if they can if they can slow him down and get you know five or so turnovers, that could be a goal for them in the rest of the series is to create more turnovers from LeBron James because as we saw in that game too, wherever you know he goes as the the Miami Heat goes as he goes, so um, I think that's got to be their their main objective is to not necessarily shut him down but just to slow him down and get to him a little bit more, and I think that's really the only shot they have at the series. But I mean, do you see this going in five games after watching the game the other night, Max? No. You think it's going to go farther? You think Vogel's going to come back and it's not even going to matter if, if when they sat Hibbert in that game? Oh, no. I th- I, I'm sorry. I think I think that at this point— Oh, you think it's going to be over? Yeah, yeah. at this point, I think That's it's going to be over. That's what I'm saying, too. But we'd love to hear from you, 517-432-3893. But again, you've got the other side of the conference when you have the Spurs and Grizzlies— and, of course, the Spur team every year, team of the decade, this is a team that consistently, you know, makes great plays, puts players in the right spots. I mean, veteran team, they, it seems like they have all the answers to any team in the West, as young as they are, uh, as young as the other teams are. But do the Heat have any shot at beating either the Pacers or the Heat? I think it's the Heat's playoffs to lose because I think they should absolutely be able to. I think they should be able to handle the Pacers. I don't. I don't know. Easily is the right word to say, but I think they're they are a better team and they'll show that over the rest of the series. Um, But yeah, I think it's the Miami's Heat. Miami Heat's playoffs to lose, and if they do face the San Diego uh, San Antonio Spurs in the finals, I think that they will they will take them. I think they just have too much talent and too much depth on the Miami Heat side of it to to take away and I think so if I think if the Miami Heat don't win the national or excuse me the NBA uh, championship it's 
because they lost it, not because someone was better than them. There you have it from X King. You know what? I'm going to go on the other side of this, and I'm going to say that you never know if the Spurs are actually going to win. But I don't think it's going to be a sweep or a five-game series from Indiana or Miami. I think this Spurs versus whoever series is going to go six or seven games because I think the Spurs realize that they're fading out just a little bit. They have momentum, too, because, you know, I we talked about it last week. We did not think that this was going to be a 3-0 series at this point. We thought it was going to go to at least a Game 6 and probably a Game 7, and the Spurs have really uh, upped the momentum, and they've been playing really well lately. And so that's something that whoever comes out of that Miami Heat or Indiana Pacers series is going to have to consider because, you know, when you're hot, you're hot. We saw it with the Dallas Mavericks a few years ago. They just they got in the playoffs and they ran with it. So it's going to be interesting uh, rest of the playoffs, no doubt. Absolutely. Now, alongside with the interesting playoffs, there's nothing more interesting than tonight's Game 6 at Detroit between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Howard's performance, four goals last game after that $30 million deal. We talked about this after Game 1, but this sure looked like that same team we saw in Game 1. Uh, criticisms whether they were just playing to not to lose, not really to win. Uh, do you fault that just because they're, you know, Two of those goals were on the power play, just some stupid decisions. I mean, what happened last game, Max? Well, it seems that the, the trend in the series is two things. Whoever takes advantage of the power play is going to have an advantage in the game, and whoever has more shots on goal is going to have the advantage in the game too because the last in, the, in all these games so far, um, there's been a drastic difference between shot on goals, and then we've looked at the the power plays have been kind of unorthodox. Where at first no one was really taking advantage of it. I believe the first three games, um, both teams combined one for twelve in the power play. Now we've seen the power play um, go up a little more for Chicago, but Detroit still struggling with the power play a little bit. And then last game, you know, Chicago had 45 shots on goal to Detroit's 26. Detroit only had four shots on goal in the third period. And, you know, 45 shots in the playoffs, doesn't matter how many how good your goaltender is, it, you just don't want that. So they have, you know, we saw in um, in previous games where um, the Detroit Red Wings would really buck down on defense. I, I mentioned last week in one of the second periods, Chicago didn't even have a shot on goal nine minutes till nine minutes into a period. So I think those are two key factors in the rest of the game. I think it's a key factor tonight. You have to um, protect Jimmy Howard. Yes, he can make great saves, but I think you also have to help him out and um, get in front of shots and, and buckle down on defense. Also have to give him some power play goals too. We'll have to wait and see. But again, the thing I'm more worried about is Babcock said they're getting better every game. And then, shockingly, it just seemed like they got a whole lot worse. So, for me, you know what? After getting out shot 40 shots, not not shot 40 shots, but 40 shots being put on Chicago, the defense just not being able to hold it all back, I just don't think they're playing to win. And unless we don't see them playing to win tonight, I don't think they're going to do it. I think if they get to Game 7 in Chicago, I think there's no question that the Blackhawks are going to win. Well, now, as Randy Adams is sitting back there, it's time to get to our favorite portion of the week, and it goes something like this. Goon, 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 goon. Goon of the week. That's right. It's our goon of the week, and each week at the Spartan Sports Chat, we pick someone who was a little bit hilarious. I mean, someone who just uh, caught a lot of eyes, drew a lot of attention, and this goon comes from a Toronto Blue Jays baseball player by the name of Muninore Kawasaki who hit a game walk-off double in one of his very, very first Major League highlights. So let's listen to the interview that followed after the game. 
Mark, when Munenori Kawasaki showed up here, you said, I don't know what he's saying all the time, but he sure gives a lift to this team. Oh, yeah. He certainly did to this afternoon, didn't he? I mean, he's played great. He's played great. Here, he, Come on, Mooney. This is his interview. I'll be his translator. What do you have to say for yourself? Thank you very much. My name is Munenori Kawasaki. I'm from Japan. I'm Japanese. I can't. All right. Now, now before we go on, let's just say, first off, you know, they, they teach classes on interviews, what to say, what not to say. And I just don't know if this guy took the class. Doesn't look like it, um, but that's hilarious. That's why baseball is so great because nothing better than a walk-off win and then the, whatever follows it, but uh, it's, yeah, it's hilarious. Well, besides for that, you've got to hear the rest of this. Follow that. I can't follow that. I'm out of here. Yeah. You have some, you have some notes here. Yeah, yeah. And what do you have written in your book so far? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my teammate gave me an opportunity, so I wanted to do something about it. So after that, Munenori Kawasaki gets pied in the face and then gets poured red Gatorade all over him. And if you did not catch what he said, he basically said, I'm Munenori Kawasaki, my teammates are giving me this opportunity and I want to give something back to myself. So he, he wanted the pie. He wanted the red Gatorade stainings all over his clothes. So, I mean, what a, I mean I've never seen any player want to get drenched or asking for it like he did. The pie in the face is, is a tradition. tradition it's a, it's yeah. a classic to see uh, that happen, uh, especially when you get to the young players or players that aren't so well known. But uh, I, you know, he's a great guy to have in the clubhouse, it sounds like. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing was is that he says that he's Japanese, and the funny thing is he's probably one of the more well-spoken Japanese baseball players in the, ma- in the major leagues today. Which is saying something because even the, the interview was very broken up. But uh, hopefully this will be a lesson for him to maybe get some classes. Or maybe they don't want him to take classes and they want more publicity. Who knows? Yeah, let, Let's play it again because at first it's very hard to figure out what he was really saying. So let's try to uh, dissect each word. This is his interview. I'll be his translator. What do you have to say for yourself? Thank you very much. My name is Munenori Kawasaki. I'm from Japan. I'm Japanese. I mean, I mean what, what did you get out of that, first of all? Well, he got his name, and I heard he very, he said very vibrantly that he was Japanese. Yeah, but there's something in there, something I think he's saying he was a baseball player. I think he's like, I am a baseball player, and I'm Japanese. But, of course you're a baseball player. I, I just don't understand why you have to state... You're sitting in a uniform on the baseball diamond, and no one's throwing you out of the field. Pretty sure you play baseball there, buddy. Get caught up in the moment. You say some weird stuff, I guess. I mean, the other thing is, it's just the fact that, I mean, you can't visualize this, but he pulls out a notepad, you know, to read everything. So hopefully, Munenori is the good of the week this week, but hopefully his English will get a little bit better as he slowly involves himself more in Major League Baseball. But yes... It's our final minute of the show. That's going to do it from Alex Sharg and Max King. 
Same time, same place next week, but the format is changing. That's right. We will have a sports panel, and it will not necessarily go with a rundown as we are actually developing the Impact Sports program. Each week we'll feature a new layout of the show, whether it's a game show, whether it's uh, something new. We'll, we'll, figure out an e- we'll figure out a new layout each week for whoever comes on the show, whoever, whatever unique way they want to do it. So that's about it. But if you want to get involved with Impact Sports, it's still not too late. You come to the basement of Holden Hall, fill out a volunteer application form, and say you want to do Impact Sports, and we'll get you all hooked up with that. Again, that's the basement of Holden Hall, G4, Impact 89 FM. From Randy Ams, queuing everything behind the booth, producing, doing a great job. From Max King, here on my left, I'm Alex Sharg, and we'll see you next week. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.